Welcome to the Pink Tax Podcast, a no-nonsense podcast for millennial women, building wealth and smashing the patriarchy, one dollar at a time, with your hosts, Janine and Tara. Janine. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. It's the middle of February and I thought that potentially it's time to start talking about our favorite subject, taxes. Yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Is that what they say? Uh, I thought it was about tax season, but I might be wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure no one feels like that. I think we joke about this, but I, you know, taking a step back and having, you know, been a tax professional and having lots of family members that are kind of young 20s 30s I feel like tax season can be like super overwhelming for people Mm -hmm. I mean I always see that someone always sends me the like meme or gif that's like I'm sure glad I learned about parallelograms for parallelogram season (laughs) yeah yeah and I mean I think that speaks volumes to the fact that the Canadian tax system just so just is so misunderstood Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I kind of took to it but I my mom's an accountant she always did our taxes like I was a part of it so I never found it daunting but I can see how it could be especially if you go and actually like fill out the paper form my mom and dad used to do that and I think my parents sometimes listen to this so sorry guys three under the bus it was like not that long ago that they stopped doing it (gasps) why why wouldn't you just like just do it all online You've got, I feel like, like you gotta, they got to feel the pain of writing it all out. Like just, and now I do their tax returns. So. Oh, that's so nice. But Full circle. Exactly, yeah. But I thought maybe in this episode, a little less political this time, but talking about a couple of the deadlines that are coming up, how you can kind of best prepare yourself and maybe some tips and tricks to get you through tax season without pulling out all your hair. Cool. Okay. All right, so a couple of the deadlines coming up here that I think are important is... The next one, actually, is February 24th, or the first one, I would say, is February 24th, and that's the day that you can actually start filing your tax return with the CRA. So as of February 24th, you have the ability to e-file your return. Now, that being said, most people probably can't do that because they don't have all of their slips or those little pieces of paper that you get sent. Usually, the biggest one people get sent is that T4, but that's not always sent out until the end of February. Yeah, because they do have, your employer has until the end of February to provide it. And it Um, is a leap year this year. Yeah, so the 29th, which I think it's a Sunday too, so great. Sunday or Saturday, it's on Uh, the weekend. Yeah, if it's a weekend, then it would probably have to be the the day before. Anyways, they have till the end of February to do that. You have until March 2nd to contribute to your RSP for that contribution to count in the 2019 taxation year. So, Mm Definitely something to start looking at. If you are one of those lucky folks that gets your T4 before the 28th, mm-hmm. you might want to pop onto a little calculator and just throw some numbers in, like high level, see if you're in a refund position or not. And, and you may find in that case that you may want to kind of top up your RSP in the last couple days just so you can take a bigger deduction. Yeah, yeah. And 
I've found it really helpful. Um, I mean, you can just Google it, you know, my marginal tax rate in Canada. There are a few sites, like I've seen them on like the the tax application sites, those kind of things. You just pop in, you know, what's on your current T4, or you can even like ballpark it off your last T4. And you can even optimize your return. There's a line for like, here's your employment income, your T4 income. I think that's like what, then box says, 18? Well, on the, you know, it's really nice because on the interface, it just, it doesn't tell you what the box is. Oh, good. I like it's that. It's just, it's just kind of giving you a, a ballpark of what your marginal tax rate is, which is kind of good to know because it's almost never 50%. Um, but yeah, let's say you type in 100000 in there and then you put in no RRSP contributions and then it pops out, you are going to have a marginal tax rate of 35.21%, which I actually think it it might be. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but then you can put in your RRSP deduction and you can kind of Play ballpark yeah, what your optimal RRSP contribution would be to get the most bang for your buck. It might be 5000 bucks. The difference between 5000 and 10000 in RRSP contribution might not make that big of a difference when it comes to like your refund. Yeah. That might so only equal like a thousand bucks at the end of the day. I would say plug the numbers in and play with it. But just mm-hmm. to kind of dig a little deeper on that is the higher your marginal tax rate is, the more you get back. So if you mm-hmm. make $1,000 in RSP contributions, but you're in the, the highest tax bracket and you pay 46%, you actually get $460 back on that 1000 Whereas if you're in mm-hmm. the lowest tax bracket, you're only going to get 15% or $150 back. Mm-hmm. So again, a great point to trying to, you know, fiddle yep. around and optimize that, but you have till March 2nd to yes. do that. And you need to do it. Otherwise, you're looking at 2020 and that, I don't know, doesn't really help you. You may as well have more money now. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Time think value money. Works. Yeah. yeah. So after that, um, T3s and T5s should be coming out in March. T5 is a little bit earlier than T3s. So if you had mm-hmm. those before, definitely wait for those to file your tax return because sometimes people get a little antsy, file their tax returns, and then they have to amend their returns and that's just annoying. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing in terms of deadlines that I think to be aware of is obviously April 30th, you know, yeah. tax filing day. And I usually wait till the last day to file because that's what all good accountants do. Oh, I'm super on top of it. So I know we got our T4s released, I think today or yesterday. So I'm like, yes, I can get started. I can start working with real numbers. I'm waiting for the T3s and T5s to roll on in so I can get started. I can get everything together. And like, as soon as I have all the paperwork, it's like a personal mission of mine to file as soon as possible thereafter. So I think this is the first year I'm actually going to get a refund in a long time. Ooh. Usually my husband and I owe. So that's why I'm like mm. April 30th at 11 o'clock at night is when I'm filing and paying that because mm. I want to be the last possible minute. But I think I'm going to actually have a refund this year. So maybe I'll be a little bit more motivated to yeah. to get that. But a great place to actually go to make sure that you have all of your slips because, you know, we all move and... Sometimes someone Fs up your address is actually CRA online. So if you don't have access Mm -hmm. to that, I would say definitely sign up for that now because you actually have the ability to see all of your slips there and make sure that you're including them all. Yeah. And I was going to mention that too. So even if your employer is late or they say, oh, it's in the mail, if you know they sent it away, so just knowing how T-slips and um, all that kind of thing is done on the employer side, as soon as they make that little submission button. to CRA and yours is in the mail, CRA already has it. So it's just a matter of time of them 
getting it onto your online profile. So oftentimes, if I know that my employer or what have you has already sent it out, I'll just log on to my CRA and start working off of that. Yeah, I check there first, actually, before I ever check anything else. Because banks can be slow and Canada Post and whatever. I think one year there was a strike on or something. So, yeah, yeah, it's great to check. I mean, I haven't had that problem in, like, the digital age. But when I was waiting for, like, um, a T-slip following an ROE, which means I left that position, um, I just logged on. Like. They may my not have CRA. your current address or... Yeah, my CRA was way faster than my employer popping it in the mail because I worked for a small business at that time, right? So, you know, she wasn't going to go and upload it and secure encrypted email was, you know... Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So other than that, I thought that, you know, there obviously you have all of your slips that you need to be looking for. So all those T slips we talked about, any RSP contributions, um, as well as if you had any... Uh, tuition mm-hmm. credits, you may want to look for a T2202A. I think that's enough twos. Yeah, I think you got it. First yeah, try. Nice. I've, uh, I've, I've said that word a few times. Um, also, if you're able to deduct home office expenses, the T2200, if you can get your employer to sign that. But some other things I wanted to talk about were just maybe some deductions and credits that you can get that people don't think about as often as, as we might think. So the first one, I guess is donations Mm -hmm. and political contributions. So I feel like people usually remember the donation side of things, but if you did contribute to a a political campaign Mm -hmm. in 2019, you do have the ability. would recommend. Yes, definitely. It's a great way to, you know, make your voice heard. So the second one would be uh, childcare. So I don't really have a lot to comment on this. I think most childcare expenses, if you are earning an income while that expense is being incurred, up to, I think it's Mm $8,000, you can include it on your tax return. But I'll let you maybe speak to that one. Yes, you can. So having filed childcare expenses now um, at least once, here's the thing. Here's the thing about hiring babysitters or nannies. If you don't have their name and social insurance number and if you are not paying them as though you are an employer, you are not going to be able to claim that. So your $20 an hour babysitter that comes over for two hours on a Thursday night while we're recording the podcast, no dice. No dice. No dice. Why is it no dice? Because you have to say, like, they are actually going to claim this as income for one, right? You are technically in the employer you are in control of the environment, you're in control of the hours by definition as per CRA or whomever comes up with it, but I'm pretty sure CRA, you are an employer, they are an employee, you should actually be coming like being a little sole proprietorship as you as a family to hire your nanny and such. So if you haven't done that, you haven't paid CPP and EI for your nanny, that means you can't claim that nanny expense. They will come back at you because you won't be able to fill in all the details. So if you so can't... Yeah. date night is a little different than actually earning an income is maybe the takeaway on that. Correct. Yeah. So, but even like, even if you have a nanny and you're not um, paying them as though you're an employer and they're an employee, you're probably not going to be able to claim that because you're not... Um, following the definitions there for right? sure for sure I'm just saying um, yeah, so like, you could you could have full-time care and not be able to mm, claim that, that because you're basically paying them under the table so maybe make sure you're not doing that um on that note I think that there's this weird misconception for some reason that well two things 
One, if someone pays you like a check or tips or cash, you don't have to claim it. And two, <laughs> I've, I don't know what it is about like sole proprietors. I'm sure that this has come from somewhere, but the notion that you don't have to pay tax until you've made $30,000 no, the, that's GST. No, I know. Oh, no, I, I, I know. Oh, my gosh. But I've had no. so many people come. And it's like to no fault of their own, they've heard this $30,000 threshold and they just apply it to income tax, which is different than GST. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say this. Claim all your income. It's Please. not 10% of your tips. It's not 30%. It's all of your tips. Yeah. Every dollar you've made is taxable. I think the, the materiality for CRA is $2. Mm-hmm. So if you made over $2 in the year, you need to claim that. Yeah. And, and like, please do. It's not fun to deal with a CRA. There's... It's not fun to have that little flag pop up on you. Mm-mm-mm. Like, maybe we should audit this person and not because they were randomly selected this year. So a couple things on that. CRA in these situations can be very punitive. And what I mean by that is one time my husband um, just, I think he, well, you know, he was a student. He had forgotten a T4 and it was like mm. for a, mm-hmm. like $3,000 and yeah. uh, the fine on $3,000 was $1,000. Yes. So very punitive in, in that case. And also technically if you don't report your income, you're breaking the law. Yes, you are. Also, again, I think we've mentioned it, I mentioned it before. If you're earning money and not paying your fair share of taxes on that money, you do suck. you well, you suck. But also, do you not enjoy roads? Do you not like them? Do you not enjoy all the things that are paid for in our society with your tax dollars because you're using those services and you're not paying for them? That's just not fair. No, that's not fair. We don't have really restrictive tax stuff. I feel like we get a pretty good deal. I'm able to claim uh, a ton of stuff. And I think like I'll get into this later as to like technologies and companies to use to file your taxes but the one I use and have used and I'm not sponsored by them at all but simple tax I will Mm. like die for I love them they show you like a little pie chart which maybe that's why I love them but it shows you what your average tax rate is and kind of how it's Mm. like broken up and I'm just my average tax rate is never like more than like 20 something percent yeah it's like ridiculous I'm like I pay that little in taxes like for, for everything that you yeah. gain, right? So, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I was going to follow up on the childcare, though. Like, right. as long as you're hiring a business, like, you really have nothing to worry about. Because when you file it, um, you know, you put in, I spent more than $8,000. So you put in the $8,000. Then you say, this is the name of the business that I am. So is that like a daycare? Yeah, Could like a like daycare. That? Okay. Right, right. And they're already registered. CRA already knows them. Like, it's all good. The only time I feel like it gets murky is when you start saying, like, I employed Jessica down the road. Then you're going to have troubles filing that. Yeah, I could see that. All right, so moving along, we've talked about childcare. The next one I want to talk about was a new tax credit, which ultimately won't do much for many people, but it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, Canadians who pay up to $500 for digital news subscriptions can apply for a $75 tax credit. Mm, mm-hmm. So I, we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording this episode, but like the Globe and Mail would sure. probably count as that. I don't think the New York Times would because I think it has to be a Canadian 
that employs more than two full-time journalists. Right. Yeah, we did look into yeah. some of the criteria, but I do think it has to be Canadian, a Canadian yeah. news source, two full-time journalists. Yeah. So some of the, the I guess yeah. the criticism of that is some of the smaller. Yeah. So if you, my ask to you would be, if you are claiming this, let me know if it actually goes through. So if you are supporting like a local news source, which we know it's super difficult in Canada right now to get reliable, verifiable, trustworthy local news. Um, if you are able to put that claim for your favorite local grassroots news organization, if that tax credit applies to you, please let us know and let us know who you submitted it for because I would really like to promote them so that we can uh, then promote more local, reliable, verifiable news sources in this day and age. All right. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about was medical expenses because I feel like this is an area for a lot of Canadians that is kind of murky. And so there is a threshold that I don't know off the top of my head, but I could Google it really quickly. It's 3% of your net income in terms of medical expenses or 2000 and my head says $83, but I don't know if that's right. Mm-hmm. And you have to have spent more than that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, your $200 worth of um, acupuncture visits, mm-hmm. not going to count towards a credit. So once you've kind of hit that threshold, then you get to start um, yeah. claiming things. So yeah. there was uh, a couple things I wanted to mention about that. The first was... I don't know if people know this, but you can pick any 12-month period to claim medical expenses that ends in 2019. So literally, if you wanted, could be February 2018 to January 2019. So when I gave birth in October, I was like, okay, this is the year. Because every year, my husband and I, we save all our medical receipts, even though usually we have dual coverage and we pay very little out of pocket because I don't know why we're waiting for it, but we're waiting to apply that deduction. Um, it's a good feeling. It is a good feeling. It's never happened. It. I find it super hard when you have employer health insurance to actually meet those minimums. So I don't know. I kind of feel like it's doing its service. Like you've got people who, you know, have ongoing healthcare issues, those kind of things that are able to use this ca- tax credit. But I don't find it that detrimental for us to like keep our receipts. And because I gave birth in October of one year, full um, 12 months thereafter, we piled up the whole thing. We still didn't spend as much as we thought we were going to. Um, Yeah, I think I've only actually hit the threshold one year. Mm -hmm. And um, a great place if you have online healthcare through your employer is actually put in all of those receipts and um, have them be denied because you're over your threshold or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that's just like a great repository to pull from. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think it is doing its job. Most people don't hit it. I think it is for people without, you know, coverage mm-hmm. or, you know, older people that maybe yeah. also don't have coverage or have medication costs. Yeah, and I mean, one of the reasons why we thought we might actually um, meet the threshold that particular year is because I was like automatically a high-risk pregnancy right so um we thought we were going to get there and even then everything was like nicely well covered so I wanted to walk through a couple of the medical expenses that you can claim that I thought were interesting there is a full list of expenses you can claim and also uh specified professionals that you can 
I guess, deduct mm-hmm. in this tax credit. And, I, and there's a couple I wanted to mention that aren't actually covered. And it's province by province, right? It is. Yeah, so there's a nice little chart. It's called Authorized Medical Practitioners for the Purpose of the Medical Expense Tax Credit. Mm-hmm. And it literally goes through five pages of professions and it has a check mark under which province you're allowed to deduct it. And so I am focusing on Alberta just because we live in Alberta. Where we're from. But before I jump into that, one thing that I thought was noteworthy of mentioning was that in vitro is finally Mm -hmm. eligible to deduct as a medical expense. So I guess you're still only getting 15% of that to deduct as a a credit. But when you think about the cost of in vitro, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, if you're not a hetero couple, you may have to look at in vitro or... Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And thank goodness. Like, that's a huge, huge expense. And I don't know. I feel if you want to, you know, create little tiny future taxpayers, you go right ahead. Let's Mm -hmm. incentivize that. So in vitro is covered. And obviously, all of these you should dig into a little bit further or talk to your local tax professional Mm -hmm. because there could obviously be nuances in the system. Mm -hmm. Being celiac is actually another thing that I thought was really interesting. You can, This is like super tedious, but you can deduct in or can include in the medical expense tax credit the differential between the cost of gluten-free mm-hmm. something and normal something. So if gluten-free yeah. crackers are $4 and regular crackers are $3, if you were to track that for a full year, mm-hmm. you would be able to deduct that $1. Which I think was a bigger impact before gluten-free was like a big trend. Totally. Um, being somebody who has dietary restrictions, um, I've been actually very happy with the health crazes. But when they say celiac, they very much mean celiac. Oh, yeah, so you, you have mean, to have. There's a couple of different blood tests and stuff that will verify you as qualifying for this. So you got to get the one stamp of, of approval from your doctor. Mm-hmm. Some sort of a note or something. You can't just... Yeah. And I, I've, I've, we've had friends that have also kind of run into, they know that they're celiac, but they're not willing to go through the blood test because I think the mm-hmm. blood test is you have to go back on gluten for a few weeks. Yeah. So some medical professionals that are covered in Alberta include a dietitian, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting and great. And I went to see a dietitian maybe a year ago. I have been vegetarian, I guess, at home for a couple of years now and just wanted to make sure everything was good. Mm-hmm. And so my doctor referred me to a dietitian. And if my, um, I guess, health coverage at work didn't cover it, I'd be able to deduct it on my tax return. Awesome. The other one was acupuncture, which is interesting because massage is not covered, which makes me yeah. sad because I definitely use massage more than I use acupuncture. Yeah. And I wonder about that. Like, I wonder about the perception of massage. As I'll, you know, alternative healthcare, which just basically means like not Western healthcare. And I mean, as someone who has like, I have pretty bad back issues. I was a dancer for a number of years. So like my whole body is just like, I hate you at this age. Massage like saves my life. So, you know, only having $500 worth of it per year, like doesn't do it for me. And I always go over and end up paying out of pocket. So it'd be great if I could deduct that. Yeah, definitely. The other couple that were interesting are um, midwifery. So we did look this up beforehand, but under, I guess, Alberta Health, you actually can have a midwife covered provided Mm -hmm. there's enough midwives, which Mm -hmm. was potentially the problem. Yeah. Because 
there are not enough midwives for people that want them, and so people end up paying privately, and so that's maybe where this tax credit kind of comes in. Yeah. Well, not enough midwives in the public system. Yeah. Because I guess if you pay for it, you can you can hire one. Yeah. So the last couple were a naturopath, which I thought was interesting. Again, because mm-hmm. I'm like mad that the massage therapist isn't there. Psychologist, I think it's important to note that because I think yeah. a lot of people are hopefully seeking mental health care. Mm-hmm. And if you need, you know, continuing care on that front, it's important to go and get that. And then... Speech pathology and social workers are also covered, but sexologists are only covered in the province of Quebec. So, see a psychologist if you need a sexologist if you don't live in Quebec, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. I suppose. So, yeah, that was just like a quick list of some maybe frequented professionals that Mm -hmm. you may not have thought of that you may want to include on your medical expenses if they weren't covered by your company health policy. Yeah. Yeah. So the last couple things I wanted to talk about, um, one last medical expense that I thought was interesting is if you had a cannabis medical expense for like a cannabis product after October 16th, 2018, you can claim it as a medical Mm -hmm. expense. I think it will be interesting to see just how – cannabis kind of fits in with everything as it's become more legal and now edibles are available and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would like to see, and I hope it stays as a deductible expense because I think there's a place for cannabis in um, prescribed medication, but if we take it off of there, we end up with a bunch of folks self-medicating, which I think is the whole problem yeah yeah 100% no one I've talked with a couple of medical professionals at length about this and I think the the notion in the health community is there is a place for it but a doctor needs to prescribe it right Mm -hmm. like it Mm -hmm. it shouldn't just be you going to the the cannabis store and being like this is what I need for my anxiety yeah it should be like if you do have anxiety like cannabis definitely could help you but work with your health professional to To figure out, you know, what's right for you in that situation. Obviously, like, there's a recreational side to it that we're not even mm-hmm. getting into. But from a medical standpoint, I think. Yeah. There's a, a recreational use. And then there's a medical use. And I think we can look at that with a bunch of, like, traditional, and I'm using air quotes, um, traditional um, medications that are also used recreationally. There's a an aspect that is uh, that provides a medicinal purpose as well. So why pot would be any different is beyond me. So I hope they keep it. All right. So a couple last things I wanted to mention for this episode are reasons you may want to ensure you're filing your return and just some tips and tricks to think about when you're going about filing your return. So I came up with four reasons why you want to make sure you're filing your return. So I'm happy to have you jump in on any other ones. But mm-hmm. the couple I came up with were obviously if you owe then you need to file because it's illegal not to. So that would be item number one, don't go to jail. Yeah. Interesting. And also they charge you, right, if you late file and you owe? Yeah, there's lots of penalties and interest. Yeah, yeah. so, so don't, it's just going to cost you more. Don't do that. The second item was 
qualifying for incentives from the government. If you don't file your tax return, you may not qualify for like the climate rebate or GST. I know I got those checks when I was in university or Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you can speak to some of the child uh, subsidies you you get. Oh, yeah. The CCB. Um, We don't get a lot of it, to be honest, in our particular um, tax bracket. But... If you need the uh, child care benefit, uh, which you I need, believe it's called. You um, need to file to get you, that. You need to file to get it because it's based on your previous year earnings. Income, yeah. Mm-hmm. The other one, obviously, would be around knowing your contribution limits to things mm-hmm. like your RSP. If you don't file, you won't know that. And last, but I think most important, other than, I guess, the not going to jail part, would be if the government owes you money... You probably want to get that back. Right? So that's like a big thing. And um, I guess I'm going to start to be a little bit more open in that my day-to-day life is helping folks in finance, um, in their personal finances. So something that we look at is what's the optimal level of uh, RRSP contribution before March 2nd so that then you can take any tax rebate that you may receive and pop that into your TFSA. So if you're serious about investing, I would strongly suggest that you file your taxes correctly and on time so that you can take any uh, additional income, whether that be saving in fees if you owe from not filing late, or receiving your rebate early, which is super, super, super fast if you have a streamlined return. Um, and you can do that, of course, again, through filing through the CRA website with any software. It's so quick now. Yeah. File online, sign up for a direct deposit. Yes. Take your return, pop that in your Maybe it'll be $6,000. Maybe that's the contribution limit for your TFSA this year. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that could set you up for... Um, such great wealth building going forward if you are um, in that privileged position. I just don't know why you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. I mean, I think, I think people don't because they don't know, which is not on I, them because we don't teach that. Correct. Yeah, I think, like, that needs to be a part of like, um, high school or junior high education. Like, tax is a daily part oh, of life. 100%. But it... it it goes into what is your wealth building strategy, right? Like mm-hmm. taking that RSP refund of $6,000, throwing it in your TFSA and investing in something to earn 7 to 10%. Like that's valuable. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know the better word for that, but yeah. that's powerful for sure. It is. It is. And the faster you get it, the faster you start creating that um, return. Time is money. Exactly, right? So, I mean, there was one year my husband filed a return and I said, please don't claim that. It's not going to be worth your while or our while. It happened to be moving expenses. I said, please don't claim that. It's going to delay your return. We both are in a return position this year. Please don't claim it. And he's like, you can claim it too. I was like, yeah, but it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And so I got, I filed and I got my direct deposit return, I swear to God, within a week. Mm-hmm. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited. And I was able to take that return and make money off of it. And he was stuck in limbo. Yeah, and I think, you know, I didn't mention moving expenses for that reason because I don't think that they're very worth it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And 
two things on that is every year, if you're above a threshold and the CRA decides that that's what they're auditing, that's what they're going to look into and that mm-hmm. sucks to be you. Hopefully you're not in that that category. A good example would be like donations over $30,000. They're probably going to look into you. The second thing is just on that, there's no such thing as filing jointly in Canada. I think that there's a huge misconception on that because of the United States. You mm. have to file your, you have to mention that you're in a common law or a married relationship, which common law is denoted by the Canadian government for tax purposes after one year of living together, but you do have to file separately. So yeah. just something I thought. I remember when um, my husband and I became common law, somebody asked me if we joint filed. I was like, do you mean we click the button at the same time? Because, like, I'm confused. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, it's, like, not really a thing in Canada. No, it's not. I mean, it's beneficial because that's when you can start, let's say, Moving things around. Moving things around, taking advantage of a spousal RRSP if you're quite well off, those kind of things. Um, but other than that, I mean, if you really want to sit together and click the button at the same time, go for it. God. <laughs> I mean, hopefully you have a glass of wine in your hand at that point. But just in closing, a couple other things to consider. Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is if you are in a situation that's very complex, you have a lot of out of country, or you have over $100,000 of investments in a foreign jurisdiction, in addition to maybe having a corporation, please hire an accountant. Oh, so, gosh, yeah. I think people are always like, when should I hire an accountant? And I'm like, that's usually my answer. If you are wanting to hire an accountant to do your personal taxes and they're straightforward, I don't think you should pay more than $700. And I know that that sounds like a lot, but as soon as you get a partner at an accounting firm to review that, mm-hmm. it's probably how much it's going to cost. So if you have like three or four or five slips, like you can totally do it yourself. But I would just say like a simple tax return from a large accounting firm is probably going to cost you $700. And I only mention that because sometimes people are curious about what that would cost. So if someone wanted to hire an individual privately to maybe ask these questions to before they hired an accountant or before they made a decision on their budget or their RSP contributions or how much they're popping into their TFSA, who could they reach out to you? My inbox is always open for those questions, and I think while you have to be really careful when it comes to who can actually file your tax returns, uh, if you're a CPA, there are certain laws and jurisdictions that require you to have certain types of companies, which are not important, but I think if you have those questions around that, like pop into our inbox on the pink tax, whether that's on Instagram or Gmail or what have you, and we'll, we'll direct you kind of in the, in the right way to make sure. Because I think $700 is a ripoff mm-hmm. for, for a simple tax return. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, kind of having someone file it for you. Yeah. The last couple things I wanted to mention were if you are in a low income situation, there are lots of free clinics that you can go to that will help you file your tax return, even if you don't have income, just to qualify for those benefits. Yes. Even if you don't have income, there are a lot of things that you can qualify for um, in terms of the child care benefit. GST, the GST. climate re- rebate. Like all of those things. Um, so I know gosh, CPL Alberta puts one on. I know um, the U of A in Edmonton 
did it for a long time. There's yeah. there's a lot of them. But so please, if, if you're not making an income or you're making a very low income and you're like, it's not worth it, it is worth it. You may qualify for income that you don't know you have access to. Yeah, it's it's actually, it's super worth it. Um, and like I know when we went to U of A, like there was, we had an entire hall filled with. It's all the accounting students. It's all of us. It is, it is all the accounting <laughs> students, but they're great folks. And they'll help you do it, and they'll help you do it for free and earn you a little bit of money. And that can help you even with if you have kids, with your kids' RESP. And you don't need to have access to a computer. They have computers there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. not a, a, a burden of entry. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. So the last thing I'll leave you with is the e-filing. I think there are a lot of great online softwares that allow you to e-file your tax return. My favorite, like I said, is Simple Tax. It's free to use. They just ask at the end whether or not you want to donate to kind of their cause. And so you can say, like, no, I don't have the means to do so. I always give, like, 20 bucks. I'm like, mm-hmm. this seems kind of worth my time. The other two that I've never filed with but are kind of predominant in the Canadian landscape are TurboTax and H&R Block. Mm-hmm. And I would say that all of them are kind of going towards that minimalistic approach. Mm-hmm. It's super easy. They ask you a lot of questions. You know, did you go to school? Did you have a child? Did you have a dependent? Yes. Were you in jail? Yeah. All of the things that you might need to know to file your tax return and they really do a great job of walking you through step by step and and making it easy and making it Mm -hmm. so that you know what I started the episode with was that taxes are this challenging thing and that are overwhelming but I think these softwares are starting to do a great job of making it so it's not like that cool yeah so the pink tax rebate for this week is to look into whether or not you have the ability to file your tax return and if you do definitely take a look at some of those softwares we mentioned in the episode. In addition, if you do have any tax questions, obviously we don't provide tax advice for specific situations, but we can point you in the right direction of some resources. So definitely shoot us an email at pinktaxshow at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to share your money story using the hashtag FemFinances. 